small stack. And here's some of them. Wow. <laughs> that shows how much Taiwanese pride you have. It's just, it's just, it just shows how old I am and how long I've been going to Taiwanese American community events and conferences. Which one was some of your favorite ones? One of my favorites is still the, the eyewear bubble tees design. Oh, that's beautiful. I do have a fair number of shirts that are Taiwan related. They're just back in San Jose. I'm in Sacramento right now. Um, so this is the one that I do have, which is, uh, this is actually from the Taiwanese American Cultural Festival too. The performers actually gave me this one. So one more thing for you guys to look for, a picture of you in Taiwan. For a period of time, I was a spokesperson for the Taiwanese fashion brand Melita. Uh -huh. So this is me in one of the malls. I think it's when I'm, I was in Ximending, and there's this giant, I'm staying next to a giant thing of boba. We hope you guys come back soon. Thanks, Natalie. Bye. Thank you. Take care. Stay healthy, everybody. What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John. What is he curious about today? The sea goddess Mazu is deeply revered in Taiwan, and even COVID-19 has proved no match for the devotion people here feel for her. While the marathon processions held in her honor had to be postponed earlier in the year, Taiwan's early success fighting the disease means that they can now go ahead. The Baishatun Mazu pilgrimage may not be the most famous overseas, but it is certainly one of the fastest growing of these processions in Taiwan. The event goes back a few hundred years, but it's only in recent times that it's grown from an obscure regional show of piety into an event where tens of thousands gather. What's the story behind this procession? Why has it suddenly gotten so big? And what are the procession's organizers doing to keep COVID-19 at bay? With just a few days before the procession heads out, I've called up Mr. Chun, a leading figure at the temple behind the event, to find out. A quick word about Mazu before we begin. Legend says she was once a human woman of tremendous virtue. She lived on China's southeast coast. Her name was Lin Monyang. Perhaps the most famous story about her life says that she once went into a trance-like state and traveled spiritually out to sea, where some of her male relatives were caught in a violent storm. She rescued them, and so has been called on by generations of fishermen and sailors ever since. Upon her death, she ascended straight to heaven, and her worship spread from her hometown along with legends about her. Today, she's worshipped wherever ethnic Chinese from the southeast coast have migrated, including Taiwan. Despite Mazu's connection with the sea, here in Taiwan, she's commonly honored through grueling multi-day tracks over land. The goddess herself sits at the head of these processions, in statue form, carried on a palanquin by pilgrims. The roots of these processions vary. Some are fixed, following a looping circuit that includes stops at many temples along the way, before the pilgrims head back to the place where they started. Other processions let Mazu's statue spiritually guide the faithful. The palanquin bearers go wherever they feel the goddess is leading them. This often leads to rambles over rough terrain and right across streams, as well as unpredictable stops. The temple behind the Baishatun Mazu pilgrimage, the temple Mr. Chen is from, is called the Gongtian Temple. It's in northwestern Taiwan's Miaoli County. According to its English-language website, the temple was founded in 1863. But Mr. Chen says that the worship of Mazu in the area goes back well before that. 
back all the way into the 18th century reign of the Qianlong Emperor. Mazu was thought to bring peace to the area, especially to those of its inhabitants who made a living fishing on the sea. It's not exactly clear when the Bai Shatun Mazu procession got started. Mr. Chen says the country folk of the area didn't keep records of such things that long ago. But he says it's reasonable to suppose that the procession's been going on for more than 190 years. The Mazu statue that leads this procession is unique. Unlike most Mazu statues that are stiff and made of wood, this one is flexible and made of cotton. It also has joints, allowing the goddess to make lifelike movements as she's carried along. For most of its history, this procession attracted at most 20 or so people, and it's understandable why. This part of Miaoli County is an area where life was once tough, and few could afford to be away from their fields or fishing boats for long. The procession route takes them almost all the way into southern Taiwan, winding all the way to a temple in the town called Beigang. The route takes many days to complete on foot, so it makes sense that few had the time or resources to be a pilgrim on this route. Mr. Chen says it should also be noted that some years, no one went at all. The procession might be old, but it's not an unbroken tradition. In its early years, the procession might not happen due to a bad harvest. Then later on, from 1895 to 1945, Taiwan was ruled as a Japanese colony, and for many of those years, the procession was essentially banned. But though it's been interrupted, the procession has always come back, and in recent years, it's grown well beyond its rustic origins. Mr. Chen himself says he started taking part in the annual procession during the 1970s. By that point, there were still at most only 500 participants, all of them locals. By the 2000s, though, when he was starting to get involved with the Gongtian Temple, that number had grown to a few thousand, and people from other parts of Taiwan started showing up. The real explosion of popularity, though, came after 2010, when the government declared the nine-day, eight-night extravaganza a piece of Taiwan's intangible heritage. The word was out, and Bai Shatun's Mazu statue joined the ranks of other famous Mazu statues in terms of popular devotion. By 2017, more than 20,000 worshippers had signed up to take part. In 2018, that was more than 40,000, and last year, 51,000 showed up. Of course, the unexpected arrival of COVID-19 has put a damper on this year's event. First, its usual spring date had to be cancelled, leading pilgrims to contend for the first time with the summer heat. This year's event will also be much smaller than it's been in a long time. In line with government directives, Mr. Chen says, only a thousand people will be able to take part. The temple has put together a disease prevention unit to make sure all government advice is followed. Everyone taking part will have to wear masks, and the meals for pilgrims, once eaten communally, will now be scrapped, with the pilgrims given pre-packed individual meals instead. Those who are sick or have limited mobility are being asked to stay home this time around. But for all that, the procession is still on, and Mazu, it seems, has approved. She has to approve every detail after all. Mr. Chun explains. 
这几个项目啊，囊囊种种，各关城都是由妈祖亲自择日。The procession is planned in advance during a meeting of the temple's executive committee. They gather in the goddess's presence, presenting her with incense and using divination blocks to get her approval for their plans. These blocks are crescent moon-shaped pieces of wood thrown to the ground after each yes or no question is addressed to the goddess. If the blocks land a certain way, the answer is said to be yes. And when the committee gets enough yeses, the committee takes it as a sign that they can go ahead with their preparations. This year, Mr. Chen says, Mazu's been informed of the need to delay the procession. And it seems she's approved a revised start date of July 5th. Things start kicking into gear three days before departure. That's when pilgrims begin a fast, and they also start blessing and purifying the ritual flags they'll carry with them by immersing them in incense smoke. Finally, the big day arrives, and Mazu is hoisted onto her palanquin to great fanfare in the wee hours of the morning. Incredibly, the pilgrims manage to keep up this boisterous level of energy over all nine days, all the way to their destination in the town of Beigang and back. Exhausted though they may be, the festivities don't even end there once they're back. You see, in Taiwan, it's possible for temples to have multiple statues of the same god or goddess. Each looks different, but the same spirit of the same god inhabits each. Each often has different responsibilities and roles. Each brought out for different functions, and each specializing in helping worshippers solve different kinds of problems. It may all seem a bit confusing to a foreigner, but the idea seems to be that there's just too much work for a single statue to do. The god needs multiple statues in order to handle different tasks and be in multiple places all at once. So once back in her home temple, the cotton Mazu statue with the joints is allowed a well-deserved rest. And a second Mazu statue is brought out in her place to lead a parade through the neighborhood around the temple, driving out evil while bringing blessings to those living nearby. Finally, the pilgrimage season ends with the distribution of incense ash brought back from the temple in Beigong on the far end of the route. For more than 190 years, people from Yaoli have looked at this procession as a way of ensuring good fortune and peace in an unpredictable world. And so, with the kind of year we've been having, it seems high time for Mazu to head out again, hopefully giving us a respite from our own tumultuous times. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week. Think of a noisy kitchen. You probably think of somebody loudly stir-frying vegetables or whacking things into an oven. But at the noise kitchen in Taipei, there's no clamorous cooking to be found. I'm Andrew Ryanman. In today's Ear to the Ground, we take a trip to this unique cafe, which is serving up creative sounds without the use of a pot or a pan. 贴紧台湾的羊耳朵 ，an ear to the ground. As I step into the light, airy cafe known as the Noise Kitchen, I'm surrounded by a buffet of random but curated sounds. The high ceilings and minimalist decor is perfect for highlighting the unique noises. 
The PR person for Noise Kitchen, Daniel, tells me how the cafe came about. Noise Kitchen is located inside the Digital Arts Center Taipei, which was founded in 2009. Last year, in May 2012, a space was created to house Noise Kitchen, and the reason for that is because we felt that there was a distance between the art featured at the center and the people who came to see it. They saw the art as something very lofty and inaccessible. But our CEO and the sound artist who designed the space, Wang Zhongkun, felt that the art should be more accessible. That's why they decided to create the cafe. It gives people the opportunity to enjoy a cup of coffee or a meal while interacting with the sound art. They can use the facilities at the cafe and the sound furniture to create sounds. I was curious to know how customers respond to all the sound art that's on display in the cafe. Daniel said that people usually start off at the gallery in the Digital Arts Center, which features rotating exhibitions. They often find that the pieces in the cafe are very interesting and a lot of fun. Everything from the cabinets to the ceiling and the wooden tables can be used to create sounds. It's sort of like a playground, and children love it here too. There are a number of art pieces that create musical notes, and as long as you can figure out the different notes, do, re, mi, fa, and so forth, you can create your own songs. Daniel offers to bring me and my friend Alistair on a little tour of some of the interactive works in the cafe. We begin with a piece that looks like a long wooden chest. It's low to the ground and has more than 50 small drawers, which line both the front and the back. This first one is called an organ chest. It uses the parts from an organ. So when you open up the different drawers, they play different notes. So for a lot of people who come here, if they can figure out the notes, then they enjoy making music with it. And some of them have deeper sounds, so you have to pull them a little bit harder. That's pretty cool. <laughs> it's very cool. <laughs> I like the bass out. Yeah, it looks like furniture, but actually it's an instrument. That's right. Wow. This one, this is one, this is a little bit noisy. It was created by the group that designed this cafe. It's located inside a fish tank. They've placed sensors inside it, and when the fish swim by the sensors, they set off different alarms. So it's basically given the role of musician to the fish. <laughs> and it's really noisy, so they usually keep it off. Apparently, because the uh, seaweed has grown up pretty tall, so they actually detect the movement of the seaweed as well as the fish. So I guess they need a little haircut for the seaweed. <laughs> <laughs> the amusing thing about this installation is that it's the noisiest thing in the entire noise kitchen. But you can't blame any one person—not the visitors or even the artist. For making a ruckus, because it's the fish who are to blame. In fact, this could possibly be the only place in the world where you might hear someone asking the fish to please keep the noise down. Knock it off over there, you darn noisy fish! With an ear to the ground, I'm Andrew Ryan. 
Do join us again next week for Ear to the Ground. We'll be featuring more of the delightfully creative sounds of Noise Kitchen. together already. It's time to feast! Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West. Hello, welcome to the feast and this is Ellen Chu. And this is Andrew Ryan and it is... Still June, yes. so we have a June-related topic for you. Okay. It is called June Jasmine. So Jasmine is actually blossom in June. Well, I think uh, it is... Uh, that's a great question. Is it? Uh, there's a song called June Jasmine, Liu Ye Mo Li. Should be. I'm guessing it must right. be blooming okay. in June. So? Um, and uh, yeah, so we're going to be talking all about that today. Now, interestingly enough, today was also supposed to be the Golden Melody Awards, which is Taiwan's version of the Grammys. Right. But they got postponed because of... COVID-19. But I think it should be okay now, right? Things are getting a lot better. Um, I think that the cases have whittled down to nothing. Um, Mm -hmm. Just this sporadic case from overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, they've rescheduled the Golden Melody Awards, I believe, for October. Okay. Um, But... We are going to be serving up four songs in today's program Mm. by four different people who won Golden Melody Awards, Mm -hmm. which are like Taiwanese Grammys. Mm -hmm. And all four of these songs are also related to our topic of Jasmine. Very nice. Yes. So we found some very interesting connections. Mm -hmm. And we're going to be sharing those with you in our show today. Yummy, yummy. Should we check out what's on our menu? Okay. Let's do it. In our first course, we'll tell you all about the Liu Yue Mo Li, which is the Jasmine June, June Jasmine. That's right. We're going to be uh, playing the song in just a moment, and we'll discuss what it means. Mm-hmm. In our second course, a look at Jasmine Tea. Mm-hmm. Of course, that's the food-related item for Feast Meets West. Okay. And third and final course, we'll be sampling a refreshing chill glass of tea. Yum. Yum. But first, the song, Liu Yue Mo Li, or Jasmine uh, June, June Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And it is by Teresa Tang, Dunley June. You know, it's interesting. She only won one Golden Melody Award, mm-hmm. and that was posthumously. She won it the year after she passed away mm-hmm. in 1996 for wow. Lifetime Contribution. Wow. So okay. let's have a listen to this song, and we'll be back in just a moment with uh, an explanation of the lyrics. Okay. Okay. 
Alrighty, it is our first course on today's June Jasmine episode of The Feast. Yes, and the song you just heard was actually talking about the June Jasmine. Mm-hmm, and that was by Teresa Tang, of course. Right, this is a Fukin uh, folk song, and mm-hmm. basically it's talking about the end of the Qing Dynasty, a lot of people moving to Taiwan, mm-hmm. and... It's talking about how in the beginning of the summer, these little white-colored jasmine flowers start blossoming. Mm-hmm. So this is to utilize jasmine to actually to represent the single girl. They are in full blossom. Mm-hmm. And... Also, uh, a little bit melancholy feeling, saying that they have to be uh, around single, mm-hmm. and they feel like very bored. It's this beautiful flower that is uh, single uh, and doesn't have any suitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's interesting is this is actually a very old song from mm-hmm. Fu- Fujian, Fu- Fujian in southern China. Right. And they brought the melody with them to Taiwan, but mm-hmm. then it was a local songwriter who mm-hmm. actually created the lyrics to this song in Taiwanese, in the, in the Minnan dialect, mm-hmm. um, talking about... Young single ladies. All the single ladies. <laughs> right. So basically, Jasmine is blossomed in June. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's at its beautiful time and moment and smells good. But if people don't see it and recognize it, then it's kind of sad. Mm, it is kind of sad. Right? But I think that at this time of the year, you can actually smell the jasmine blossoming in the evening, especially mm. um, when you're driving around at night or walking around. You can smell yes. it hanging thick in the air. Yes. Especially when it's like rainy or misty or mm. like very humid outside. Yes. So this song originally was published in December of 1980. Mm. So at this point, this song is now 40 years old. Wow. But it's been sung by a lot of different people. Okay. Yes. Now, it has uh, apparently a uh, little dialogue that goes with it. Mm -hmm. A little, uh, what would you call that? A soliloquy. Okay. Um, And it basically says, uh, I can tell you when I was young... Uh, I was very beautiful, and at that time, um, I was the most beautiful girl in the whole village, and I still remember, I guess, the beginning of June and the first day of June. Every morning that we will be on the front step of our door, and we will find this beautiful white jasmine, and I've never really went and asked, actually, who put this there? This beautiful white jasmine, it was put by my window. Mm. And when the wind started blowing, that beautiful smell, I can't never forget. That's really sweet. It's romantic. It's very romantic. Well, maybe it was, you know, fallen off from the jasmine tree. 
maybe on a wind seal. Maybe it just fell. Window seal. It just fell down right. and landed right next to her window. Right. It's a very beautiful song, and it's a, kind of a reminder of youth too. Mm-hmm. But I think it's especially poignant uh, when you consider that uh, Danny June passed away mm-hmm. when she was still quite young herself. Yes. Um, and yet the fragrance of her voice right. still lingers it's to this day. It's kind of like the blossom of the June jasmine. Absolutely. Okay. Do you like the smell of jasmine? Yes, I love it. We're actually very lucky in Taiwan. We have a lot of different little white flowers mm-hmm. that bloom in the spring. We also have these blackboard flowers like Hebanhua. Yes. Um, and then there's another one called Evening Primrose, mm-hmm. Yelaishang. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are a lot of different little white yes. flowers that uh, make this time of the year very fragrant. Beautiful. Very, very mm-hmm. beautiful. So we're going to go into another Jasmine-related song. Okay. And yeah. this song is by Lin Junjie. It's called JJ. Mo Li Yu, The Jasmine Rain. Now, Lin Junjie, as we mentioned, all of our singers, um, not the songs, but the singers who sing these songs in today's show, all won Taiwanese Grammys, Golden Melody Awards. Mm. Lin Junjie, he's from Singapore originally. He won Best Mandarin Male Vocalist in both 2014 and 2016. My, with this trend, I think, you know, all singers should sing something about Jasmine. (laughs) Then you win the Golden Melody. I think so. Right? Yes. All right. All right, let's have a listen to the song Jasmine Rain. And when we come back in just a moment, we're going to tell you all about Jasmine Tea. Okay. Shangwanbanzandi 
Second course. Jasmine tea. Beautiful tea. You know, whenever I smell jasmine tea or whenever I take that first sip of it, Mm. I have these really nostalgic memories from like the early, like the very first couple times that I had Chinese food in a Mm. restaurant. Mm -hmm. I know that sounds crazy, but like, I remember like Hong Kong, like Cantonese restaurants. And I remember... Mm -hmm. Um, the restaurants near our house where I lived as a kid in Australia, mm-hmm. um, they all serve jasmine tea. Yes. And that's, I don't know, is that that common anymore or is it? It is. I think, you know, most common tea is champagne, jasmine mm-hmm. tea, because it's easy. It doesn't have that bitter taste to it. It's very smooth. Yeah. Right. It's very smooth. So normally, you know, if a family goes and they pick like a, you know, everybody drink drinkable tea, it will be <laughs> jasmine tea. Yeah, absolutely. It's I not... remember, you know, whenever we go to a dim sum place, you know, my brother would say champagne, mm. jasmine tea. He loves it. Whenever I hear that they're serving uh, jasmine tea, that's that's the one that I always mm-hmm. want to. So the other name for jasmine tea is xiangpian, which is which is like fragrant leaves, leaves, yeah. or like yeah. Mm-hmm. So and it is very very fragrant. It does have a very nice floral smell, uh, mm-hmm. scented with the aroma of jasmine. That's blossoms. why people make it into perfumes. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. And now jasmine tea isn't just the floral blossoms. It also has green tea as the tea base. Mm-hmm. But apparently they also can use white tea or black tea as well. Wow. Yes. So I guess this is the most famous scented tea in China. Mm-hmm. Um, it's believed to have been introduced into China from India. Eastern South Asia by India. Yes. That's amazing. Uh, during the Han Dynasty. So that's 206 BC to 220 AD. Very nice. And it was being used to scent tea around the 5th century, but it didn't become widespread until the Qing Dynasty, so the 1600s to early 1900s. Mm. And the jasmine plant is grown at high elevation in the mountains. Jasmine tea produced in the Chinese province of Fujian has the best reputation. Interesting. Japan also has it. They produce it in Okinawa, uh, where it is simply called Sampin Cha. Sampin is champagne. Oh, got it. And jasmine tea contains several different kinds of antioxidants that provide protection to the membrane of red blood cells. This added protection helps fend off free radical introduce oxidation of the red blood cells. So it rejuvenates you. So we could say insane in the membrane. Mm-hmm. Insane in the brain. Yes. So there are some cultural connections too. In northern China, it's customary to serve jasmine tea as a welcoming gesture. Ooh. Um, it's also the local tea of Fuzhou. 
Mm-hmm. And jasmine flowers are the city flower. And also a beautiful hinge behind it is a symbol of eternal love, but also one of the holy flowers of Buddhism. Wow. And the fragrance of jasmine is thought to be of heaven. Ooh. Ooh. Nice. See, now when I smell jasmine from here on out, I'm going to think about all of this. Buddha. It's really beautiful, yeah. And heaven, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's very peaceful, a very calming flower. Yes. I have a friend who lives in Tainan, and there's a temple near his house that has jasmine trees in the courtyard of the that temple. That must be beautiful. It just smells so lovely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just as the temperature is starting to turn warm, um, like in May and June, that's when you can smell them. I think, you know, when the temperature is higher, they release the scent more, mm, right? That musky smell. Right. Mm. Oof. We're going to go into another Jasmine song. This is Mori Lian, so Love of Jasmine. Mm-hmm. And this is by Xiao Jingtan, Jam See, Xiao. He also won the best male vocalist in 2013, Golden Melody. That's right. So let's have a listen to this. Uh, and when we come back in just a moment, we're going to be having some chilled jasmine tea right yum, here yum, in the studio. Yum. 
Are you listening? Tune in to the sounds of your world on Radio Taiwan International. Third course. Alrighty, Ellen Chu. So you got me some chill jasmine tea. That's right. I brewed some tea for you last night and then Ooh. put it in the fridge. Did you Did you add honey to it? I did not. Oh. So this is original flavor. Okay. So I'm gonna pour it out for you. Ooh, it has ice in there. You okay with that? Yeah, good. I love the chill drink. All right, let me bring it to you, and you can. It's just... actually two glasses of whiskey. Yeah, <laughs> describe <laughs> the color for everyone. Oh, it's kind of, it's it's not as dark as whiskey. Okay, and basically, it's a dark yellow, golden. Mm. It has a golden color. Golden, just like your melodies, Alan Chu. Kind of like you know, golden honey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know, if you have those thick honey, you add water to it, mm-hmm. it comes out with this color. Mmm. All right. Have mm. a smell. What does it smell like? Very light. Very light. Mm-hmm. Hardly smell it. Hardly smell it, but it looks like it should have some flavor. I know. Hope it does. It does. Mmm. It does. It goes to your mm. nose. Mmm. Okay. When you smell it, it doesn't. I think the hot ones, you can smell it right there. Mmm. Mmm. This is yummy. Yummy to the ummy. I think, I think in the summer, I should just freeze, freeze some in my you know, refrigerator. It's great, right? It's great. It's very refreshing. Mm-hmm. And it's, did, you, did you use like tea bags? I just used tea bags. Okay. Yeah. I used nice tea bags from Tiran. So oh, it's like I'm going to go get it. Yeah. Super inexpensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, if you don't, or you're not a big fan of drinking water, just mm-hmm. plain water, this is a great way to do it. And, you know, it'll give you a little bit of a kick because it's got little tea leaves in there. And it gets you some vitamin C because mm-hmm. it has some antioxidant in there. It has some antioxidants in mm-hmm. there. As we said, it has some great health properties. Right. Do you drink a lot of iced tea? I love iced tea, but, you know, normally when you go out, the iced teas are all like sugar and it's just uh, mm-hmm. black tea. Oh, look so, who's here, Francis. Okay. Maybe Francis wants to share a little bit of our tea with us. You think so? I don't know. So okay. I told her to come in the studio. Hi, Hi Francis. Hi. You want some jasmine tea? Hello. We are still recording. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. Right. So some, ja- some jasmine tea for Francis. It's France. very nice. Very refreshing. Thank you. Okay. You're welcome. Oh. So this is what it's all about. Caring is, sharing is caring. Mm-hmm. Yes, refreshing is refreshing. Mm. Not bad, right? Mm. Jasmine tea, chilled, iced tea. Chilled and refreshing. When I was a kid, my mom used to make sun tea. So mm. she would put the bags of tea inside the water and stick mm. it on the back porch. Okay. But apparently you don't have to put it in the sun. You can just put it in the fridge and okay. it'll do the same thing. Yummy, yummy, yummy. Yeah. Mm. A great way to enter the summer when the weather's turning hot. Yes. And, you know, like we said, this is very cheap and, you know, you can just chill it in your fridge. Yeah. Cheap, good cheap. Not like... You're cheap. I'm cheap. No, and it gives you romantic, <laughs> antioxidant, all these, you know, good stuff. And it reminds me of my early experiences with Chinese food at Chinese restaurants. Yeah, those yeah. Cantonese restaurants, right? Love it. it takes man. the grease out of your food. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, with like those crispy deep fried things. Yes. Yum. This is the purpose of tea. Now I want some dim sum. So next episode, <laughs> maybe not, we'll have some dim sum. I'm not making dim sum for you. We can go no? out and eat it, but I'm okay. not going to it. It's too hard to make. <laughs> oh, come on. I'm not that. Nothing's hard for Andrew. That is not true. <laughs> it's very, very difficult. Okay. All right. So, well, let's uh, give our addresses. Our address is P.O. Box. 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. That's right. And our and email. email A-N-D-R-O-O at rti.org.tw. Can you believe it's the end of June already? It's so fast. This year is just like, shoo, all gone. You know, I just figured like, because, you know, we're not doing any traveling this summer, maybe the summer will feel really slow, but uh, I'm not sure. Maybe it'll feel fast. I think it's super fast. I think it is super fast. Half a year has gone by. But also, like, in some levels, like, 2020 has felt like a decade already. I know. So many things have happened. some level, it feels like, you know, whatever New Year resolution you set, you know, we haven't done nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of uh, a lot of downtime for a lot of people, mm-hmm. but also not a whole lot of energy to deal with the world. So uh, we want to thank you so much for joining us for today's Feast Meets West. Poor Ellen Chu is dying in the corner over there. Are you going to survive? Yes. Do I have to worry about you? No. You're coughing in the time of coronavirus. <coughs> it's just bronchitis, yes, she says. I have bronchitis oh. due to allergy. Allergy. So you're not going to you're not going to spread it. No. Okay. It's not communicable. Not communicable. She's a communicator. <clears throat> but she's not communicable. <laughs> That's yes, why we I'm love surviving. her. Okay. Yes. She's a survivor. We have one final song for you today that's related to Jasmine. Okay. Uh, and this is also by a Golden Melody winner. This is by Mu Wenwei, Karen Mock, and it's called Mu Li Hua. And it is actually a traditional song. It's like a, it's a folk song. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jasmine Flowers. Uh, she won Best Mandarin Female Vocalist in 2003 and in 2011. So also a big Golden Melody winner. Thank you so much for joining us for VCs West. I'm Andrew Ryan. And this is Ellen Chu. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh,
served. Join Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu as they sample their way through Taiwan's culinary delights. Andrew, I thought we said no more intestines. <clears throat> That's on Feast Meets West every Saturday, only on Radio Taiwan International, Radio for Refined Palates. RTI, exercise for your mind. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International. <laughs> 